Good day. Good day and welcome uh, to our little experiment we have going on. We are divulging a little bit from the unchar uh, Uncharted, excuse me, already Unchained. We're divulging from the Unchained formula a little bit, kind of expanding it in something that we're going to call in this edition is What Remains of Edith Finch Unchained, a spoiler cast dedicated to the game. I've been waiting for something like this for a good while. I, at PSU, reviewed this game. And I've been the only one at PSU who played it. And I've been waiting, 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 waiting for someone to play it with, to have played it, and someone I can talk with. And I finally have that. And on that note, joining me is the great and British Neil Bolt. <laughs> and hello. Hello, hello. Yes, uh, I am... I can't even call myself PSU's resident indie wank because JP <laughs> JP is technically the resident in indie wank. I'm just like the other indie wank. Like so, yeah. This was the game I was bound to get into, and yeah, it, it's I adore it, and I can't wait to talk about it more <sighs> without without the shackles of regular podcasting. Yes, those those things like news. And like new, Gary new hating games, yeah, <laughs> and, and oh well, we we could talk about this, but you know, um, time and uh, spoilers. So yes, and this is where we get to do things like that. Mostly, mostly the spoiling. The other parts we're going to leave out, and that's kind of the case here. We're going to divulge a little bit into it. I don't think we should do a you know a frame by frame break oh, no. of it because that would defeat the purpose of playing the game, and I would never take that opportunity from someone. No. But a few things that we took from it. I took quite a bit. I actually did a refresher last night, and some things hit me harder than before. Some things a little differently. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting perspective going into a second time. But uh, you've done the same, yeah? Yeah, to a point. And unfortunately, um, we are coming to the, the hell week. Of, uh, <laughs> That's PSU's, right. At, at PSU, so I've, I've got a lot going on. But uh, yeah, I made time for, for stuff, so... I went back to the key things I wanted to revisit uh, because you can select any of it once you finish the game and uh, do it bit by bit. So yeah, I re revisited some of that, did the beginning bit again just to sort of you know, see it again. And yeah, it's just yeah, you're very right in that. There, there are parts of it that just hit differently with that knowledge from your first playthrough, and you know all the things that end up swimming around your head about the why and the where and all that. So uh, yeah. There's still stuff that's affecting the second time round as well, and uh, yeah, it just makes my heart want to just go out. <laughs> Let it teach it how to speak, just so it can feel pain and <laughs> articulate it. Yeah, it's getting close. It's getting close. <laughs> Thanks, Edith Finch. You're helping me out here. This is <laughs> solid. You're progressing me as a human, <laughs> and you're evolving my heart somehow. Uh, but. I think a good place to start would be some of the more, uh, not subsidiary, because all of them are, have their own potency in addition to the whole Finch curse, as they call it, yeah. but like some of the lesser ones. Um, playing through it this last time, uh, last evening, I played a couple of them that I, I don't know, it, they didn't stick with me the first time I played through it. Some of them it just had more weight to them and yeah. it and it's and I'm sure a lot of this is just based on 
personal experiences, what you've been through, um, mm. how you resonate with things, how you look at things, right? And it's going to be different for everybody. And I, I, what I've shown, what I've seen with these two times I've played it now is that it even a change in mentality can change the way you look at these individual stories. Oh, entirely. Yeah, it's um, and I, I suppose we should sort of front this up straight away by saying there will be, you know, talk of stuff like you know, the idea of suicide, depression, and and child loss, things like that. And so, you know, that if that is a problem going forward, then I would say this is probably not the best thing to be listening to. But fair yeah. warning out the gate on that one. If um, not, we appreciate you coming by. If so. Yeah. Thank you for staying with us. Yeah, it's just, I, I feel it's only fair just to mention that because yeah, yeah. In this this game again, you know, it has moments like that that you obviously don't expect to be dealing with, and you know, that's what makes them hit home if you've had those personal experiences. A lot of yeah, so, a lot of this is stuff that people don't talk about, and that was something I realized last night playing through it again, and like you, you one of the major assessments that I made when I first played the game was that there was a sort of mental illness that went through the entire family. Not just one, you know, because people are more complicated than that. But when I played it through the second time, a lot of this social, like, social, some of this social normity, normativeness comes through uh, in the sense that, you know, uh, like the mother, for instance, uh, would not talk with Edith about what was going on with her grandma, Edie, or what mm. wouldn't tell the stories about the family members, you know, like every time someone died, it was just a death. They 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 would kind of just cut off from it. They would try to not deny it because they can't, right? But, no. And it's actually a little depressing because like, even the second time through, I noticed that there were uh, names and birth and death dates on the people's doors, on the family members' doors. And that was that. That was within the first few minutes, you know, playing through this again, and it just hit this depressive point where, already outside, you have multiple grave sites. You have the previous house pretty much buried at sea, right? Just this constant reminder of death outside. But even inside, they marked the entire house in that sense too. Now they didn't just close it off, but they turned the house into a cemetery. Yeah, I mean, literally they. Um closed off their grief in a way it seems it's uh, just it's the whole um, structure of it seems like a constant battle between Edith's mother and Edith's grandmother uh, over how to accept and deal with death Yeah. for a start you know and um, you can tell that Edith's mother obviously believes that Edie you know the grandmother is almost at fault for the way things are because she's sort of permeated this idea of a curse through the way she's told the stories and Edie obviously wants to tell these stories as, sort of, as a way of helping in a way but in her own weird twisted way and she doesn't quite understand the harm it does whereas you know, Edith's mother, it, it's Dawn isn't it I think, yeah um, Dawn is uh, not wanting her children to see that and it's a struggle and she's trying to literally compartmentalise each death and keep it away but it's there it's always there they're not really getting rid of it they're just locking it away in a box essentially but these boxes are literal rooms on a, a misshapen house <laughs> and it's uh, 
But yeah, but you're very right on that one. They are, they have a graveyard within the house itself. It's so daunting to even think that. Uh, but I, w- I would like to know a little bit, but leading into all this, like where the where the idea of the curse came from in terms of the family, because you know uh, they they precursed the whole thing by saying that the curse was going on. No pun intended. I realize what I did. Uh, they they had the you know the curse from their homeland before they yeah. sailed to America. Almost and, why they escaped, you would yeah, say, uh, with their house. That's a mm, that's just a crazy notion. Sailing a house across the sea, man. But yeah, it, it, I really wish I could have known how at the same time the mystery is also a compelling notion to yeah. all of the things that you see because like if this is how it is here how bad was it then yeah you know i mean was it just superstition not explaining proper mental health issues or, or was the mental health issue created by superstition and it's just yeah you know, to the point where everyone ends up believing that everyone must have this curse and it preys on everyone to the point where it affects how they live you know and uh, and you see throughout the game that people deal with this so-called curse differently you know in in morbid ways in delusional ways I mean and delusion seems to be a very big part of what makes up what what remains of Edith Finch it it seems to be a a common theme uh, for a few family members Mm -hmm. which does again suggest mental health problems so, while the origin of it may not have been, you know, a a, a real problem, it, it obviously has some sort of hereditary value behind it too. Yeah, and with it, well, it couldn't just be that either because looking at how Dawn handled things, it's also a very environmental thing that's happening. It's like you have these, you know, predetermined problems that that go with the territory, but then you have a mother who is also closing everything off and not allowing things to ex- be explained and made to feel natural, you know, trying to help these kids actually grow mentally as human beings. And, you know, you have different stages of this that's represented through all of the, through all of the kids and all the family members throughout the decades that the Finches are in, I will say in town, in America, you have, you know, you have uh, Milton, Mm. He just ran away. He was completely isolated, and his uh, up in the tower—I think it was just below where Edith ended up. Yeah, which was also a very uh, was a major nod to uh, the company's previous game, the Unfinished Swan. So uh, the uh, the artwork he supplies and all the stuff in there—it it all comes from that game, which is a, a neat touch and. Uh, Maybe a, a little uh, autobiographical as well, I'd imagine, for the, one of the developers. I really need to play that game. I, this game now makes me want to jump into everything that Giant Sparrow has done. Yeah, I mean, it, it's mad. The, that game is very different, but probably a bit more subtle in terms of what it's trying to achieve. But it's, uh, yeah, it, you can see the uh, lineage here, I'd say. And then another good example is like you have Barbara, 
who, mm. you know, it started off as somebody who was famous before she even realized what the world was. And from that point on, she was constantly trying to rekindle it, and she couldn't. It, it was an accidental thing. As far as I can determine, it, her Hollywood scream was nothing but a happy accident that happened as a child. Because, yeah. you know, she lost it. And she kept trying to get it back, and kept trying to get it back, and she lost all support from America, right? Yeah. yeah. So, this goes into that whole lack of acceptance for what you are, lack of acceptance for what's gone. Get... Yeah, and also in that section, you know, the way it ends with her, uh, just as an aside first to say this, um, a very good section in the way it's handled. Uh, very yes, comic book panels, creative. Very mm. much, very Tales from the Crypts and the use of the Halloween music, just inspired. But the whole idea of the end of it, where it's a, a fan to throw her a party, but they're not really her fans, they're monsters, is yeah, quite obviously metaphorical in the sense of that was the driving force between her, I, I would say, taking her life. I don't believe she was murdered in in the sense that the game alludes to. I think that was uh, Edie's way of dealing with the fact that it was a suicide yeah. that, that came about. What happened? It's like, yeah, no, the family has come, gone through, and this is what we think happened now because it makes it sound more glamorous and fantastical. It's spinning death again, as it happens many a time, into a more fantastical realm to sort of offset the the grimness of it and mm. yeah whereas uh, Dawn doesn't like that That Dawn doesn't want it to be like that Dawn wants it to be just like we deal with our grief grief is there you know, it's like we don't want to have all these stupid stories and like that and clearly you know that drives that central plot line as we said it's, kinda, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's just a crutching relationship between Dawn and her mother Edie because mm. you, you you can only assume that for a long time, Edie did the same thing that Dawn's been doing, you know, hiding things, you know, keeping them, uh, keeping them, keeping the family safe by not discussing all the problems, you know, d- you know, trying to suppress all sorts of non-appropriate things. I'm not really sure what would go into that kind of thinking, but Edie hits a point in her older age where she realizes the futility of what Dawn has been trying to do and theoretically what Edie had done. And she's trying yeah. to sh- show Edith, the last remaining Finch, youthful Finch at the time, mm-hmm. what needed to be said. Yeah, which hence caused the uh, final argument, which you know, sort of them leave. No, oh, it's not even an argument, is it? It's rough. No, yeah, that, yeah, that one. Yeah, I mean, hard. yeah, it's light, <laughs> light to say it was an argument. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's brutal, and you. You can see why the result of that is uh, Edie you know, giving up effectively. It's like, well, no one else lives here. I have no need to protect anyone in this house anymore. That's it. I, I'm done. And so, yeah, she. I think she just wills wills herself into being gone at that point. That one. Uh, that's a such a potent ending to you know seeing every family member because you know she was the last family member you meet. And yeah. it's it's so personally on a personal level this is it's so crushing because as a child I lived with my grandma and 
I lived with her until she needed to go into a nursing home, and that was something like 12 Wow, or so. So I lived with her for a long time. She was part of my upbringing, a big part of it. So the idea of completely abandoning my grandmother, like that's you know, with this being a first-person game for one, and then just being a completely engrossing game for two, put me in that perspective. And it, just the idea of it killed me. I couldn't, just crushed my soul. I would not be able to deal with something like that. If I had been forced into it, if I had done it by some sort of whimsical choice, I, I don't know. I, that one's, it, after, after everything else, it's, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't want it to be like that. You wouldn't want to end your relationship with a grandparent like that it, when you've uh, got that connection and Edith clearly has that you know she clearly has a, a sense of wonder about her uh, grandmother you know, and about what she's seen and heard and she, a respect that she never got to get and learn about but she's almost glad by the end I suppose because she sees the stories for the damage they do but yeah, it's still tragic for her as well and it, I, again, I, I understand where you're coming from on that because you know it's like uh, I lost my grandmother at the beginning of this year, and it was uh, uh, the last few years she's been in a home and been very much a, a different person as a result. And it, it's heartbreaking to think that you, you can't go out with the way you want with that person, you know, and. Yeah, you can't have the resolution you, you really wanted. You, even though Edith gets to sort of try and help her future child along at this point, you know, in, in trying to escape all this, she herself never gets the resolution she wanted with with her family. And That's it, like the ultimate tragedy, isn't it? Because of the family members, apart from Edie, she's not held back. Well, I guess, unlike Edie, because Edie's held back, but Edith, unlike the rest of the family, is not only wanting to share these stories, but is also trying to. Mm. But she also says it, how hard it is as well, which is, yeah. it has to be mentioned. She, she struggles, and she's very hesitant to think, will this be a good idea? Am I just continuing this idea of a curse by trying not to? You know, it's it, which is yeah, terrible for her as well. But yeah, sorry, Carol. But yeah, uh, actually, to carry on with that, um, at the end of the game, she said that she's hesitant to write all this down because she wants to be there to tell him these stories or her, I guess. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty ambiguous, androgynous yeah. child, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's... pretty much resigns herself to that as well that she's not going to get to, and. Well, she just fears that age will do what it did to her mother and her grandmother and uh, just change how she'll deal with it and just continue the cycle. And I think almost like she was writing it while it was raw and fresh so that when it was delivered that it would be there and it wouldn't have any of this almost infection that, that the house brings. Yeah, none of the... They shouldn't. They don't need to know this. They don't uh, don't need to know this mm. they shouldn't i want to protect them from this like that's yeah she's well yeah. aware that all of those things 
even though she's very hesitant of all of it, she's well aware that all of those things were also, you know, yeah. pre sediment to these latent issues. Yeah, I mean, she's pretty. When you compare the way she tells the overall story to uh, the way the individual stories have been told in the books and recordings and things, she is very upfront about what she's skeptical about, you know, and what and how she truly feels about things whereas every other story is you know, fantastical or leaves out key details and you're like hmm, did this happen I mean um, it, it's crazy and I was thinking just now going back into the idea of um, people who are uh, being affected by this mindset almost of, uh, of the curse you know that the one guy who seems sane out of the family that died is a uh, I believe it's Warren. Is that the one? The, he, Walter, sorry, yeah. He, the guy who ends up living underground. Oh. And he's cut, he's cut off from everyone else, and he probably ends up being the most normal, but he is supposedly killed by a train. But when you go back later, the train tracks have been long deserted and broken, and it's like there's a tiny bit of skepticism there about that story as a result. And it's like, was that what killed him, or did he just. Know, die, you know, it's yeah. uh, yeah, but yeah, it's weird that he was so isolated from the problems that the rest of the house didn't get to see any of that, and he got himself into a routine that was away from all that, and as a result, yeah, he was almost the most normal person uh, in the story. Well, one of the his, I don't thinking back to it, I'm not quite sure, but he was talking. In, in in his routine, talking about how there's a monster at the door, constantly yeah. trying to get in, and I I would say that that has something to do with you know delusional thinking, but I feel like it comes from the fact that he and Dawn didn't agree, and she mm. kind of shunned him and made him flee, and she's that sort of like ever present monster, even though a lot of it's perpetuated by the train oh true I think also the monster could be uh, yeah, as we said the, the finished cursed disease if you will by being just outside of it he knows it's there and that if he were to step outside of there he would be enveloped by it again you know and yeah that that's his fear almost uh, for a while like he, 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 he scares himself into a delusion mm. and I can empathize with that as well. Uh, being, I, I remember I s- in in college I spent about a year and a half pursuing psychology, and a lot of it was because I wanted answers. Because uh, my my dad's family, the whole side is has tons and tons of different mental issues, from depression to bipolar disorder to schizophrenia. Um, and knowing that as the older I got and the more aware of a loss that I could, I could, you know, ensue, I got more and more worried. And the more I studied, the more questions I had and the more questions I had, the more stressful the whole thing became and the whole, and more dire everything became. And every time I'd ask a question, nobody took it seriously or not serious enough you know f- to warrant a good answer. Uh, professors, yeah. fellow students, 
books that I read. It just it was all so clinical in the responses. I was I after a year I realized I was looking in the wrong place for human answers. So I gave up on that. But still I I totally empathize with with Walter in that sense cuz he was trying to get away from it all, but in his getting away from it, he ended up kind of perpetuating some of the issues. Yeah, because he again still close enough. I think was the thing. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. underneath the house. Yeah, it's like it was it's always there. Already pointed it. And yeah, I think that's what it turned out to be. Is that if if the train was the thing that killed him, it was merely a sense of him leaving like he did was a desperation move like I got to leave because if I don't leave I'm never going to be free of yeah. this and like that and yeah the house definitely perpetuates that and yeah I think maybe he was just so almost euphoric that he didn't notice the train coming I mean no it, it's entirely possible <laughs> and so but uh, yeah it's it's an interesting story it was you know for all the some heavy stories in there but I always found that one quite fascinating in the way that it was handled yeah. because yeah, he, the guy locked away in a bomb shelter for most of his life ended up having the best dose of normality you know, relatively speaking yeah he found a way out he wanted something different even though he didn't get to it yeah it's but... like it was the methadone of that house you know, it was like it, it it got him off the the curse drug, if you will, and uh, yeah. gave him a replacement. He it never really solved his problem. Yeah, I don't want to say he was on the right track because that's kind of an inappropriate <laughs> metaphor, isn't it? Yeah, but that's... he was he was on the correct path. It just yeah. took the yeah. wrong turn. This is it. But it's it, kind of putting him with with a lot of everyone uh, with everyone else it's it's such a shame like not you have all this death in the family but each one of the family members is so I don't know, is so blessed with a vivid imagination and creativity yeah which you know is if you think in real life it is very much like that you know a lot of creative minds have that about them that will analyze things too much or overthink things the point of you know dissociation anxiety. too yeah dissociation anxiety and, and whatnot and it yeah it, it can get upsetting I mean and you see it here in all ages and brackets where that can lead you and yeah it, it's heartbreaking at times that's too bad you even get different levels of it you have Gregory who oh, hasn't even found a social norm yet and he's already you know dancing with rubber ducks and playing with whales yeah I mean that for me was just the bit that stabbed me in the heart the most having I'm kids sure, yeah. it, it, it just just I, I think of my daughter you know, being a baby still and like that and it's like just see you can see that in a kid that age uh, the level of imagination they can have and yeah, it was it was a very tough thing to sort of go through. I mean, just again, the game hand, they handle it so magnificently. I yes. just just to ha have this whole 
overly fantastical way of showing what was going on and, uh, and you, you get you get what they're going for you know what's going to happen mm -hmm. in the, the, the kid has drowned in the bath and I, I've never seen such a wondrous image uh, like they showed of him thinking he was a frog swimming towards the plug hole and still at the same time just saying to loud loud going no 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 don't don't let this happen and just yeah I mean it's bloody hell you know just yeah. to, to, to get that out of that it, that's masterful and again something that I don't think you could achieve in any other medium no it, and that's what makes it special yeah uh, you, I mean you could tell this in a movie but you wouldn't be the one living it. You'd just be watching someone else's situation. You'd be empathizing with it. But when it comes to this kind of thing, and the, one of the benefits that they took uh, to heart when they were making this game is that when you are the mover, you don't really have to empathize anymore. No. It's about you. Yeah. You... Like, it's kind of one of those greedy benefits to playing a video game. You are the... The, the player you are the, the voiceless protagonist you are the creature that they have representing whatever they're doing in that game you are Edith Finch and yeah. it, it, I'm, I respect them and adore them that they put that in there and made that the focus of everything because yeah, this wouldn't I mean like with books and movies it's just going to be a story and yeah. it, and I don't want to say that's bad Right, because no, I, I, as a, just, as a writer and a, and a story lover, it, I, I can't say that's bad, but no, you, but it's you, a different medium. It, it, it's what is unique about the medium. Yeah, it's like, and you see it with so many games that you just don't get that. And it's like you'll get games that will go for story, but they won't involve you in the correct way. They won't use what video games can do that other mediums can't to tell their story they'll they'll ape movies or books and go for that i mean telltale for instance have made it you know they've made a, a pretty penny off of basically um cribbing on choose your own adventure books as you will yeah and and making them into games and that's fine it's great but it isn't necessarily the best yeah that's definitely the difference between these two walking simulators it's not even a walking simulator is it telltale well, the, the, the further they go on, the more their games are like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of subtle management of emotional impact using video games as a medium, I would say this is probably closer to something like Journey. Yeah, because that does everything wordlessly, and it makes a co-op action work without ever knowing who you're playing with, and you know, it, it affects you. It, it, because it's a struggle it's a constant struggle and the metaphor is clear on it Yeah, uh, and again it wouldn't work anywhere else and, and that's it's it it's not someone else's struggle it's it's yours yeah yeah. you are controlling the struggle you are fighting against the odds That that that's it and I'm not saying all games have to be like that because they don't the games no. the beauty of any medium is that you can tell a story or, or play it out many many different ways you know, in, in cinema you you can have Vin Diesel <laughs> leaping in insane amounts at uh, his supposed death and not die um, in the same medium that you can have a very touching and very raw and real 
you know, love story if you want. Um, it uh, it goes for any, as we said, any medium. Yeah. But yeah, games have that unique side to them with that interactivity, and I it always bugs me to see people sort of write that off as a oh, walking simulator. You're not really interacting properly. It's no, no, you you're misunderstanding. It's like you you can't. It isn't like a movie. Yes, you can watch it on YouTube. Yes, you could watch the whole gameplay through on YouTube, but you're not the one controlling it. You're not the one feeling it. So of course it's not going to feel the same. Of course. It's like, it's like I um, I read the game theory thing uh, about this very game in the lead up to this. And it's like some in- interesting points, but you could tell where where it, yeah they quite claim they claim straight away. And it's like I watched a video on YouTube of the playthrough. I didn't play the game. So, and you could tell where they hadn't played the game in terms of how they understood and connected with things. I mean, obviously, people don't always connect with things in the same way, but it you could feel the almost standoffish nature between you know just viewing something and interacting with something. Mm. No, I can see that being the being a man. I don't know after playing this game twice and both being emotionally affected effective i it's really weird it's really kind of just a hard for me to comprehend how i would react to this first time as just a gameplay video so i i feel like it would just be like what are they doing what are they doing the whole time you know and and i i get that i get that i as a person who spent years and years and years watching videos and stuff yeah uh, you know uh, for trophies like following trophy guides doing those kind of things i'd say what are they doing it wasn't about me it was about what someone else was doing so this would definitely going putting uh, applying that loosely because it has, has to be such a loose application it's nowhere close to what this is but it being uh, applying this loosely to this would imply to me that I would not have gotten exactly what I needed out of this game if I had just watched a video. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. Video watching video games is um, yeah, a very modern phenomenon, obviously, but, and instead of playing. But and you know, there's a generation that will grow up with that being very normal. But for anyone who's a bit older like ourselves, it does seem a bit alien at times as an idea because you definitely lose something there's no doubt about that it can make terrible games look all right you know as well because you're not dealing with the problems the game has it's and but you know with with a story-led game i i get why people may think oh well you know it's telling a story most of the time so cool i'll just watch the story because you know that that does lend itself more to um you know traditional sort of media but as we've said, without that interactivity, you are losing an essential part of why that works. And I know, as we said earlier with Telltale, maybe that doesn't always work out well. And you you can just watch a video and you're not really missing much because, uh, I mean, in the best examples of Telltale, obviously that, that you are more involved. But uh, yeah, in, in the lesser ones, not so much. Yeah. But it's like comparing apples and oranges at this point, isn't it? Yeah, this is it. This is it. It's uh, I know, obviously, 
you know, we'll stress again. It's like obviously not the same kind of game, but I, I mean, even games in this genre, like uh, Gone Home, it's like this is very much an evolution of that idea. This is uh, Gone Home meets the Stanley Parable, if you will, mm. in terms of subverting what you would expect from uh, this type of game. I mean, the first. 10-15 minutes of what remains of Edith Finch a very you know, I've played this kind of game before sort of game yeah uh, and it's once you get into Molly's story you know and you, you really start to you're like oh okay she's a girl trapped in a room and she's eating everything going and then it just shifts into this thing of then I turned into a cat and like that and it just goes to these strange places and you're like oh man that's cool that's that's different I like that <laughs> it's like using the imagination of a child like that and then you know each sort of subsequent story some obviously go more all in than others as you go along and you know, some are shorter and don't yeah. get the time but you know like the Barbara one was very effective uh, following that Calvin one on the swing mm, was, that was very short short but again succinct you can see the point of it. Yes, you know, like the Barbara thing it made him almost fearless to to a, a negative point. It, mm-hmm. He it's just like, you know, what's the point? I I'll, I'll keep going. Like that. Which, you know, does definitely allude to the fact that maybe Barbara didn't die in the, the most graceful fashion. Yeah. So so whatever they may have been told. Um yeah, and then obviously Calvin's brother is um Sam who is uh Dawn's father and he ends up being killed by a deer in, in most, probably one of the most darkly comic moments in the game I find because you're taking a photo of it that section you're taking photos of it as it happens like that you know in a as you're having this camping trip and it's yeah. really cool the way that's implemented again each section has its own little thing that works for it and that's again another great point about the game it, it just keeps chopping and changing what you should expect from this type of game yeah because it's not just and we haven't really talked about it but yeah you know, like like you were saying each section has its own not just gameplay elements but style elements too yeah the, uh, after actually the one that really comes to mind right now is Lewis's one of Lewis. the yeah, yeah. Um, it, being in a, a job like that uh, right now, it's not actual like labor. It's in an office, but the repetitiveness and the mindlessness of it all just leads to di- distracted thinking, and I can totally empathize with that. And yeah, I mean, this was what got us talking about doing this very podcast. I think was Lewis's story because I think for both of us, it's resonated at some point in our lives. I, I said to you, it's the sort of thing that I remember doing for years the kind of job that just eats away at you and you, you end up living in your own little world and I did, I very much did I would make up so much stuff in my head uh, the same way and just want to almost live in my own world and yeah it could very well have come to a very bad point on that Yeah. but lucky enough that just life maybe just threw me the odd curveball to sort of make sure that didn't happen well good glad and, you're here yeah. Neil <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had some very low lows before you know, the current sort of run of my life. 
Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, new fears because <laughs> <laughs> yes, because <laughs> kids and family. Yeah, all new. Yeah, and um, with Lewis, um, I was saying to you at the time, I had I have an uncle who you know I grew up adoring for his personality and that, that had this sort of problem and you know for almost being in his own world at times but he was good with it you know to talk as a child it works because you're a child hearing things like that you know, and being a bit out there is more amusing to you and yeah when he uh, had issues as he got older and uh, he became more secluded and like Lewis does in the uh, in the game and to the point where okay he didn't go to that length thankfully but uh, you know, he, he shut himself off from the rest of the world and yeah. became a very different person and it was heartbreaking and knowing that my personality is very much ended up being like that as I grew older it made me very worried that I would fall into a similar pattern and end up being like that and so yeah the Lewis section hit very close to home in that, in that respect because so I, you know, it's, it seems like a long time ago now because it's what six years mm. since I was last doing having a routine like that and uh, yeah it was horrid and not at all great for my health even, you know, even though I was with, you know, with my no, now wife and uh, I, I was living I was living with her anyway but it was like it was a blessing in a way that it happened it, I mean it, it, that job ended not long before the birth of my son and I think that combined with stopping smoking and all that it just it, it uh-huh. was perfect time for change and I think I'm so happy that everything aligned like it did but it, I, I think that that fear will never go away, you know, in the same way that you always have that. And you can, again, another thing that resonates because of the whole game and the way it is comes down to that, that there's this feeling of a family curse almost because you see people in your family that have had problems. You're thinking, well, what about me? What if I had this? What if I had the, the, some sort of curse to myself like that? And you you believe it i'm sure you you've said the same it's uh, for yourself in the situation you've had in the past and it's it it's a worry that will never quite go away but it, you just if you can be strong enough to deal with it then it's great yeah mm. yeah sorry i got deep there <laughs> no I, I no that's that's great that's great stuff actually um it's it, there's there's a, a continuity with stories like this because it helps. I I say this mostly for myself, but it helps to know that somebody has gone through what I'm going through and has come out on top. So, thank you for that. No problem. But but really though, well, we we probably could go on for a long time about this game. And we would probably just be on a record that we would love to listen to over and over. <laughs> but really, you know, despite all of these things we've said, I I don't even know if this could even be constituted as a spoiler. Because when you're playing the game, 
you kind of know what's happening. But the problem is that you know what's happening, and then it does. Yeah. Uh, but th- there's there's still an odd melancholic magic to it, and it I don't. It's really hard to follow up behind a game like that and try yeah. to, try to outshine it. You know, it it's it's really just a a wonderful collaboration between great minds to create something that needs to be out there. And yeah. And very much what I think you know people will go on about currently the the guy uh, decline of indie games and it, it's very much not the case. I think you you will get occasionally it's like anything in games you will get the games that define uh, uh what things are about. You know Stuff like Gone Home may have like uh, popularized this uh, genre, but this is like the the stepping stone. This is it sounds horrible to say this. It's like the modern warfare of <laughs> of walking, if you will, because it takes an established idea and then runs with it in a slightly new direction. Yeah, yeah, and but adding its own ideas and that's cool. Uh, obviously, we're not going to see. <laughs> the the developers make twenty you know, odd versions of this game and oh. charge for season passes, but it's uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, they it's, got better heads than that. They got better yeah. minds than that. But it, it it's a great example of why you know, indie developers are so important, you know, because there's less risk taking with uh, higher end gaming and smaller developers have that. Wiggle room. They may not have the budgets, they may not have the the advertising, but they do have the freedom to yes. get what they want done and have the vision. And whether that's flawed or not, and you know, which you know, for this in this case, not really. I mean, yeah, the odd technical hiccup here and there, otherwise, which has been patched, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not bad. You know, so now it, it's nothing you know, by comparison, but it's still, you know, you can say nothing. We we know this. Nothing is perfect. It's it would be boring if it was because then you'd have to pick holes in how perfect it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I would I wouldn't ever want that. No. But it it's the message it tells and how strong that message is. Obviously, this won't apply to everyone, and not everyone's going to get the same message out of it. Maybe some people wouldn't be helped as much by it in the same way. But again, it's just, just true of any medium and anything from any medium. But uh, it's like Journey in the generation before. It's one of those games that I would never have seen coming, never expected, and I'm I'm so so glad that I got to play it. I would. Uh, I remember back when Journey came out, and it was it was £10 in a time where indie games cost about 6 you know ah yes and, and it was two hours long but I tell you what I would have paid that money. I would have paid that money three times over, no problem and it's just <laughs> just like end with this it's like 16 quid over here not a problem I, I will forever be happy to waste the £16 on a game that did that much for me and, and meant that much you know it, I I, I always struggle to say you know what my favorite game is of any generation for long because you know it's a an ever changing thing 
your opinion changes over time and uh you know i've i said persona 5 is very much like the standard bed for me this genre is uh generation but you know this edith finch is very much up in the running amongst that elite bunch yeah and i i have two of best generation and i don't want to steal edith finch's thunder by listing the other one anyone who knows me is going to know what it is but <laughs> but this one's special in a different way and which is why it's one of the best of the generation it's not it's not special for the same reasons that you know most games are traditionally special you know like super fun gameplay you know, crazy crazy good graphics high flying action you no, know, I mean, no. I, I think of most of my favorite games of generation, and none of them are graphical powerhouses. It's, um, <clears throat> I mean, it's still stylish. gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, stuff like this is is fantastic for it, and yeah, wonderful game. Yeah, um, but yeah, we can we could go on for a long time. We could so. I think a good way to end this is that if if you haven't had a chance to try it if you haven't had a chance to try what remains of Edith Finch try to make a chance give yourself a shot give it, it give yourself the benefit of the doubt give the game the benefit of the doubt if there's a little bit of something for everybody, it has a bunch of different styles. It's very short and succinct, and, and we know with a lot with with how lives are nowadays, you don't have a lot of time. And this fits that bill. This game fits into all of those things. Just give it a shot. The worst thing is is that you don't you know you don't feel it like we do, or you don't feel it like someone else does. And I don't want to say that because it came across pedantically, but that you you're not you just don't feel it. I mean, the risk is low. But the potential payoff is high. If, if we want to look at it from a you know an economical sort of viewpoint, you yeah. the, there's there's something for everybody. I know I've said this already, but <laughs> give it a shot. You deserve it. The industry deserves it. And if these are the kind of games that are going to be coming out in the near future, damn good. <laughs> I, yeah. It's as simple as that. I it's it. Even after playing it, it's kind of hard to imagine the industry without it. You know, beforehand, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it would do anything. I was kind of interested in it. I remember first seeing it at E3 as just part of their, a couple years ago, as just part of their, you know, their cavalcade of indie trailers. Sure, yeah. But that was the one out of all of them that caught my eye. And, you know, looking at it now, the gameplay-ish coverage that they had of that game was nothing like the game but that was the one that I was the most interested in so right off the right right, right off the bat it has a charm to it so just please give it a shot go to a friend's house if you have to if you really have to watch a gameplay video at least uh, not the whole thing please if you can't just see what it's like and then go get it if that's your bag I would, also see, I would say watch up and up and until the end of Molly's section. Yes, that's a great It's feel. a good taste. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a good taster for for what to expect in, in that. Yeah, it'll get you past that like like you said, the first fifteen minutes of the I've played this before. It'll get you past that. And once you're past that, 
you'll be in the right mindset for the entire game. Yeah, and also headphones. Wear headphones. <laughs> the, the sound design is just lovely, brilliant yes. stuff. Oh, the the house is really another character with the way that well, with just the way it was presented, but the sounds it makes, the creaks and groans with the wind. Yeah, just being even an old house. Like, yeah, even like where you have to stand up on a toilet and you hear that porcelain clunk. Yep. If you step up, it, little things like that, just like it, just keeps you in in the moment so much more. Just tons of heart and tons of soul put in that game. And man, there are plenty of AAA games that don't have even half that. Yeah, it, it, like I said, nice to see games made for a vision rather than for profit. And yeah. obviously, it's just it's quite clearly one of those. Uh, yeah if there's no coverage you, you never know which is part of the charm it's, like, it's kind of like you discovered it and that's how it was for me yeah I mean this is it it's just I mean uh, like I said at the, at the top of the show it's uh, I'll, I'll go for most interesting indie things anyway because you know, like uh, stuff, uh, JP is very good for sort of turning us on to that sort of stuff that's yes. like yeah um, like as long as it's not G- Mountain Blade uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like like Virginia last year it's like uh, you know again another very different take on the walking simulator big surprise too yeah and just mm. again a, a big favourite I mean this surpasses that in, in, in for what it is but yeah. uh, still Virginia is another example and proof that no genre is tired if you have ideas I yeah. think yeah, and it's just that there will be a, a glut of things trying to do the same thing because money. And that's the unfortunate side of uh, things. Yeah, and this just isn't one of those. This is one of those where it's like we like the genre, we like the storytelling aspect of it, but we're going to do our own thing with it. It's like that. Sure, you can argue it's been done to a degree with uh, you know, subverting what you expect, but you know, of course it has. Because it like, hasn't been done. Yeah. But it's it's definitely different from those games that try it. Yeah. But you know, like anything, we've come to a close. Um, yeah. And much like Edith Finch herself, we're trying to pass this on to you. We're trying to give these stories, this story that was our stories, to someone that we may never meet, but we think deserves them yeah and this is our happy little experiment into something that would branch out the unchained unchained world that we've begun to create (laughs) and being a part of it it kind of has a I don't know a little little je ne sais quoi to it yeah I like I think we've um said before this that we'd like to make this obviously a series of things about games not only that we love but uh, games maybe that are flawed that fascinate us, uh, games that we don't like, you know, maybe even talk about them too because you know, we can take on a very different tone that way at least <laughs> and, uh, yes so, uh, like, we don't want every episode to be like a, a heart wrenching, yeah just us so, gushing yeah, yeah so good, we also you know want to have the alien colonial marines and the you know the Terminator Salvations, where we can yeah. just tear into it. 
It's a shame Alien Covenant's a movie because yeah, no, <laughs> right, right now <laughs> I think we've just come up with another podcast idea. <laughs> because, yeah. But uh, yeah, so suggestions welcome. But uh, obviously, if we're going to go with things we more than one of us have played and have either similar opinions on or you know, even conflicting ones when it comes to certain games. Mm, that'd make it juicy, uh, wouldn't it? Conflicting oh, opinions. Yeah. So basically, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. He's not even here. <laughs> Can't even defend himself. I As probably wouldn't be. anyway, but <laughs> probably wouldn't anyway. But uh, yeah. So um, if you want to follow up on our, our podcast stuff, um, you can follow Pod Unchained at on Twitter. Um, you can follow me Nezko. That's N E W Z K O. You can follow. Tim, you're Timberelli? You? Yes, I am. Timberelli, two L's. Two L's, yeah. Timberelli and an I on the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so follow us, ask us questions about it, tell us about how you felt about this podcast if you listen to it. It's uh, well and good. Um, we will be doing Unchained, of course, this week as well. And next week we will have our usual wrestling predictions podcast for SummerSlam. So yes, busy, busy times. Um, and in the meantime, we'll decide what game we'll handle next. Um, I imagine any future shows will have to decide in advance and then tell you at the end of a show what we're going to do next. So you have an idea of what it is and whether you want, you're interested in hearing about it or not. We won't always pick games that are fresh. We'll sometimes pick games that are maybe a bit older, just to sort of go over them. But well, uh, this- I might suggest because I'm kind of going through two of them at once because I'm kind of stupid like that. I wouldn't <laughs> mind a Persona podcast. Yeah, you know what? I think the time isn't far off for that, and uh, I think Kyle to have Kyle on for that would be oh, good too. Yeah, he'd be yeah. paramount. Yeah, and even Ben because Ben's Ben was pretty much enamored with it too. So yeah, to to hear feelings and thoughts on that. I mean, I talked a lot with Kyle on that one. So yeah, you know what? You know what? Yeah, that's a good call for for the future, but it means you have to finish the game. <laughs> well, I I like I said, I'm playing four and five at the same time. Oh man! Yeah, I I'm a foolish person. <laughs> but yeah, I think we'll, we'll say now we'll keep it a, a game for any podcast because we we did the older serious podcast before, you know, where we uh, covered like Uncharted or Resident Evil or, or Metal Gear, and uh, yeah, that, that's cool, but. This sort of suits uh, a singular game and discussion about that game. So, yes. Persona Five probably if we do that, and maybe Persona Four down the line if we feel like it too. For sure. For sure. Cool. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So you want to see us out and uh, see us to the door? Give us our coats and uh, send us off into the night. Oh sure, 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 sure. Um. Yeah, like we've said before, give us uh, suggestions. So I would think it might even be advantageous if like a new game came out, you liked it, hated it, and say, hey, guys, I liked it, hated it, and then we talk about it. That'd be kind of a cool little suggestion, living in with the, uh, with the fan base. Um, but apart from that, I'd like to take a quote from The Matrix <laughs> that works really well for the subject matter. Well, Edith Finch and her child. <laughs> I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. Boosh. <laughs>
<laughs> but that's that's goodbye for now. Thank you, Neil, for coming with me. Always a pleasure. And listeners, thank you for coming. Have a good evening, a good day, a good life. Goodbye.